passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts, Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matt Kanata, joined by Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts. And today's show is all about Josh Rosen, the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. I know we talked about him a bit last week. We're going to continue to talk about him this week. We're going to be joined by Walter Mitchell the deputy editor of Revenge of the Birds, the official Cardinals website for SB Nation. Walter wrote an article several days ago about Josh Rosen, about his thought process on Josh Rosen, going back to UCLA through the draft process, through his time as a Cardinal, going through training camp, finally getting the starting job after a few weeks into the regular season, and then watching Rosen evolve as a player and as a person over the course of the regular season. And then brings it full circle to being traded to the Miami Dolphins. And now Walter, as stated in the article, will be rooting for the Dolphins because of Josh Rosen. And if you've read the article, you'll know that Walter's viewpoint of Rosen wasn't great to begin with. But as it went on, it changed drastically over time. So Walter, we know you're joining us by phone, so we apologize to our listeners for any static that's coming in. Just take us through your thought process on Josh Rosen and how you came to change your opinion on him over the course of a year. I was curious as to why Josh Rosen slipped in the draft last year. Uh, he was the fourth quarterback taken in the Cardinals trade up to traded up to number 10 to take him. And, um, you know, I had heard rumors that some teams were turned off by his personality. Um, even his own um, college head coach, uh, Jim Morris said, uh, that, you know, you had to keep Josh's mind active or he gets bored. 
And I think that that turned some people off. Also, the fact that Josh happened to say he's very out- outspoken, that he didn't really need football, that he's never going to eat need to eat at McDonald's. Um, and I think that turned people off. But, uh, you know, I did a lot of watching a film on him at UCLA. So I love him kind of in draft neck. I'm sure you guys are too. I like sort of knowing who these prospects are before the draft comes. And so I know who we're getting. And, um, I liked, um, you know, his, his mechanics as a quarterback, as a thrower of the football are impeccable. Uh, he's got great, great setup with his feet. Um, he's got just a smooth release. Fairly quick trigger, not Dan Marino-esque. Of course, that's pretty hard to do, but <laughs> fairly quick trigger. Um, and uh, balls come out clean and tight, um, tight spirals. Um, and I noticed that he was very strong throwing between the hatch marks. Um, not sure if he could really drive it to the the boundaries on a rope the way, you know, most you know, of the best quarterbacks in the NFL can do. But I, that didn't bother me so much because in today's football, I mean, Tom Brady doesn't do that. Um, and we know what, you know, kind of success he has. And now that you guys have, um, in, in Miami, you have, uh, Brian Flores, who I love. I'm a Boston College grad and I followed his, uh, playing and coaching career. And I live five minutes from, um, Gillette Stadium. So. Brian Flores is a real favorite of mine. Um, and I think you've got a great, great young coach there. Um, and Chad O'Jay as offensive coordinator. You can have a Patriots like offense going. So that's the full circle I'm going to come to in a second. But, um, so I was intrigued with Rosen and I was kind of wondering about the personality. Well, once he, once he was drafted, then he had that sort of petulant moment after, you know, saying that he would make nine teams pay and that he's going to win multiple Super Bowls. And I'm sitting there cringing, thinking like, oh, no, don't go there, Josh. Um, it's, it's hard enough to win one game rather than, you know, now you can't just use the word Super Bowl. The Patriots never do until they get there. So, um, but then when he, once he got to Arizona, um, I really started liking his press conferences. He was very thoughtful. Um, didn't take anything for granted. Didn't, you know, um, kind of was, was happy to do whatever the coaches wanted him to do. Um, and everyone raved about him right off the bat. Uh, problem was in preseason that they, they, uh, played him for the first two games in like the second quarters. And he did pretty well. And then in practice, the third week, he banged up his finger on his throwing, his index finger. But it wasn't bad, and he wanted to play. But unfortunately, they played it safe and kept him out of the third and the fourth preseason games, which which was really, in my opinion, a mistake. Particularly since three weeks later, um, they turned to him already uh, in a close game against the Bears at home. And they give Josh the ball with three minutes left to try to win the game, and it's a close game. He gets in the two-minute drill, and 
he's completed a couple passes and gets him to midfield and it's looking really good and then just kind of fizzled out. We never got got close uh, to the end zone, but he showed right then, showed some potential and we were pretty excited. And then uh, that might have been one of his better performances, so although uh, two weeks later at San Francisco um, he got his first win, that was a nice game, uh, and the highlight was a 75-yard bomb to Christian Kirk on the first uh, offensive play of the game. That was a that was a work of art. Um, and you know, so early on he won a couple games, then the upset win at Green Bay in the snow it was kind of fun. But he didn't play very well that day. But he he did make a sort of amazing conversion on a third and twenty-three, where he threw to um, Larry Fitzgerald. Um, we made a great catch and then that sustained the drive and it went down and kicked the winning field goal to make it 20 to 17 and up that win. Probably cost Mike McCarthy his job. Um, although Mike McCarthy's job might have been in jeopardy to that point anyway, but, um, that was kind of a highlight, but then kind of down the stretch was hoping to see him have one breakout game and it never happened, but by then, the Cardinals were on third stringers for offensive linemen. Just had an avalanche of offensive line injuries, and there was no continuity. Um, only none of the projected starters at the beginning of the year were even playing by midseason. Um, they were all out. Um, so it, it was tough, and David Johnson wasn't having a very good year and Fitz was great, but he was getting double teamed and then Christian Kirk got hurt. So there weren't very many, um, weapons for Rosen. It just didn't, you know, he did rally some in the last game against, uh, Seattle up at Seattle. He played a pretty good game and so, you know, it was, it was frustrating and, um, but then for Cardinal fans, came the off season and the minute um, Cliff Kingsbury was hired, the Kyler Murray light bulb went off and um, you know, you guys know all about that. It's now a done deal. The speculation's over. Kingsbury loves Murray and Murray's now a cardinal. Um, and I was all for that. I, I believe you match the quarterback you know, I thought the Cardinals should have hired an offensive head coach the year before uh, because they knew they were going to draft a quarterback of the future in the first round. Why not get the offensive coach matched up with the quarterback then? They didn't do it then, but they did do it this year when they're matching Kingsbury with with uh, Murray. And now, as I look at your Dolphins coaching staff with uh, Flores and, and Chad O'Shea, to match them up in their first year with Rosen, I think is great. And I, I love that they have Fitzpatrick there too. Um, the two of them, I think, will work well together. Josh works great with the veterans in Arizona. They praise him left and right. Um, he's a, I think, fun, fun guy to work with and he's a very supportive teammate. But I think that system there is going to work great. And I kind of like, um, you know, I think that you've got a good young tight end in Mike Isecki that, um, you know, didn't have a great rookie season. But uh, as I said in the article, 
Josh Rosen, his his bread and butter is throwing up the seams and over the middle to the tight ends. And the Cardinals had brutally bad tight ends. He, he didn't bond with any of those guys. Um, and I don't know if too many quarterbacks would have, but uh, give him a couple good tight ends, and you have three pretty good tight ends. So I think right there, starting right there, you know how Brady is with Brock. And the chemistry that that, that creates, um, that's what I think Rosen will be able to do with your tight ends. And then I like your, your quartet of wide receivers. Um, I think the, the, there's talent there as long as they stay healthy. Um, you know, I think Josh has enough weapons, uh, there to be successful. So I like the match and I think it's intriguing. And, um, I think. You know, with his uh, only having to pay him two million a year for the next three years, um, that is a steal and a half. So uh, I'm happy for him that he landed in a good spot because, uh, you know, after what he went through last year, I think he deserves it. Walter, quick sidebar before I get to my question. Yeah. Which Arizona Cardinal that would eventually come to play for the Miami Dolphins, did you enjoy more as an Arizona Cardinal, David Boston or Carlos Dansby? <laughs> did I enjoy more as a Cardinal? Yeah. You know, that is a really hard question <laughs> because uh, uh, David Boston was so frustrating. I'd have to go with Dansby. Um, although I, I always felt he was a little overrated. Um, and it really ticked me off when, uh, he took the Cleveland deal and said that he's going to Cleveland because they'll build a statue for him. <laughs> after, after we had, uh, finally gotten good and, um, you know, he was in a contract year. We made him a really good offer. He, he got a better offer, more money from the Browns to took off, and that, that that sealed the deal for me. Although we brought him back later when he was uh, kind of right. yeah, yeah, yeah. We paid him quite a few dollars while he was with Miami too. So let's get back to Rosen. And one of the things that uh, you would have worked on uh, Josh with in terms of just his growth as a quarterback would right. be to be a little more patient. So we're yes. not, you know, we're, we're taking what the defense gives us, and sometimes that conservative approach gets a little bit of a stigma. Right. So do you, as, you know, just as an objective person looking at this situation, and I will admit that I'm a little bit worried about this Miami Dolphins offensive line. I, I don't want him to develop PTSD from playing what he had to yeah. last year as well. Right. So would you be worried about the possible recipe of our offensive line maybe not being so good and kind of exacerbating the issue of him trying to do too much? Well, if that's a good question. I, I'm not as familiar with your offensive line um, as you are. Uh, you know, I looked at it the other day, and on paper it looks better than ours, but but I, I think, and you lost uh, the right tackle there, uh, right? Right, Juwan. Um, we're we're probably most vulnerable on the right hand side, and then there's probably 
at least either the guard spot or the center spot, depending on where people um, kind of get to in training camp and who ends up winning those battles. There's probably going to be two positions along that offensive line where we're going to be like, not so sure we're going to get great production from it. Right. I have a feeling, and I think this is going to be true for Arizona too, um, with uh, Kingsbury spread. Chad O'Shea, I think, has learned a lot in, from the Patriots sort of offensive system. Which when you think about it, um, it's, it's brilliantly simple. Because here's what they do. Um, first option usually is a tight end up the seam. And it's going to draw the safety over. So now the second option is to look over the middle. Now you got a slot wide receiver like, like Julian Edelman. And then he does, you know, he and Tom Brady know you go opposite leverage. So in other words, the cornerback's paying you to your right. You make a little juke and go left. And boom, you hit him now. Um, if it's, if the cornerback's playing to the left, you can go juke and go right. Um, he's playing you straight up. You juke and go either way. But, you know, um, so, and that doesn't take very long right there. It's out of a shotgun or a three, three step drop. Most quarterbacks can make that play either hit the tight end if he's open up the scene or do a, um, what I would call a, a read route. Uh, over the middle. That doesn't take too long. All right. What's cool about the Patriots is if you take away option one and and then you take away the slot wide receiver, then they come in behind with the running back. And not only is is he a safety valve, but when they circle him around, now there are no linebackers, you know, You've got him one-on-one on a linebacker. If it's zone, he's all alone. Because he's still underneath the, the second level. So then you dump it to the running back right there. And, you know, if you've seen the Patriots' last few Super Bowls, remember when James White had, like, 14 catches? Uh-huh. You know, because the other team could take away options one and two, but then now you have the running back. And... um I think in an in an offense like that, which is catered to mostly throwing within the seams and over the middle or into the flat or on circle route over the middle to the backs, I think Rosen could be lights out in a system like that. And I think that it's offensive line friendly because, um, like I said, it's you know if you can get to option one, that that's a bang bang, you know. Precept drop, bang, you hit it now. If that's, if you're not throwing it now, you're not throwing it at all. So now you look at the second one option and then the, you know, sort of, um, read route route over the middle. And that can be gone a second later. Um, and they time it up. This is the thing about the Patriots is the, the routes are all perfectly timed in sequence to steps and seconds. So, I mean, Tom Brady knows I'm getting rid of it either here on the on option one. I'm going to get rid of it here, you know, timing wise on option two. And if I don't have either of those, I'm going to my running back on on three. So, um, if if the 
Dolphins offense resembles the Patriots offense in that way. I think Rosen's in great shape. Just, I, I think, and your offensive line, I think, can handle that. Walter House here. Thanks again for joining us. I mean, that article that you wrote, I got to give a shout out to Scrappy the Wildcat because that guy, he tweeted me, he sent it my way, and I, I sent it out to the masses, and Dolphins Twitter went absolutely mad over it. It was a one hell of an article. But for me, I'm going to have a two-part question. The first one, and I need to ask, I mean, you see the Dolphin beat writers, the Omar Kellys, the Armando Salgueras. Before yeah. the Josh Rosen trade ever happened, both of them were very adamant that the Dolphins had absolutely no interest in Josh Rosen because of his personality concerns. Why was there this huge issue surrounding Josh Rosen's character concerns, and is that an issue that you see happening in Miami? All right. No, now, I mean, I don't see it happening. I, I saw his presser um, when he arrived at Miami. I thought he was great. Uh, you know, Josh kind of know. He's too, he's smart enough to know. You know, this is he does have a chip on his shoulder now, but he's smart enough to know that. You know, he's got to um, show, he's got to lead and be a leader. And he's not going to be a leader if, if uh, he's not a good teammate or if, he, and, or if he's selfish um, or if he's, you know, being a baby. I don't think anything like that's going to happen. I think those, those fears were overblown. He did not show that to me in Arizona. Um, I am fond of him. When he when he um, made that goodbye video, I, I was genuinely moved by that. And I realized right then watching him, I've grown fond enough of him that I was sad to see him go. <clears throat> so the you know, and the sort of history of that, as I went talked about it earlier, was. Rosen saying, saying political things, also saying that, you know, he doesn't need football. I mean, if you're going to lead, you know, NFL players, you don't say stuff like that. Um, because those guys, that's their meal ticket. I mean, they, they can't go home to mommy and daddy and, you know, um, you know, have them take care of them. So he's got to be more relatable. But everybody who's played with him says he's incredibly relatable. Larry Fitzgerald loved him. In fact, he was talking on a daily basis with Larry Fitzgerald all through the offseason. Um, they have a, had a close relationship, and, and Fitz really liked him. Um, so Josh is very engaging. I, I think now what he really needed was something like this to kind of, you know, like smelling salts. This is real now. Um, and this is a golden opportunity for him that he cannot squander. And I don't think, I don't, honest to God, I think he will, he will surprise Dolphin fans. He'll surprise your, your beat writers. Um, you know, uh, it depends, you know, how, how fast they can get him in there. I mean, do you envision Fitz starting for a while? And, and then going to Rosen, do you think that Rosen can win the job right up, right up game one? I think I mean, that, first, yeah, go yeah, ahead. I think for us, Walter, it's yeah. there's no reason for Fitzpatrick to start. The Dolphins need to evaluate Josh Rosen from beginning to end this year because there's a decent chance they're going to have a top pick, at least top 10 pick, 
and which gives them a shot at one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL draft. So we know who Fitzpatrick is. Fitzpatrick knows who he is. There's no reason to start him, in my opinion. I think that's what all Dolphins fans believe as well. That's right thing here. I think that's really smart. And uh, I kind of wish we had done that with Rosen last year. Yeah. Instead of fooling around with Sam Bradford, that was a debacle. But you don't want to hear our, our sad story. <laughs> we could be here a long time while Trevor sharing sad stories. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, Walter, uh, yeah. before we let you go, and you've been really good with all your in-depth answers and, and more than we could have ever asked for with this interview. Um, I just want to ask you this one last question. Gun to your yeah. head right now. I know this is Crazy hypothetical. We won't hold you to it, but gun to your head right now. Who's going to have the better NFL career? Josh Rosen or Kyler Murray? Well, now they'll always be compared. Yep. And that's an inevitable thing. Um, I'd say Kyler Murray. Okay. Uh, I, I just think he can do more things. The difference for me, oh, by the way, and I didn't mention this. When you script plays with Rosen, he's brilliant. Yeah. Where he, where Kyler Murray has it a little bit over Josh, and maybe even more than a little bit, is uh, on um, extending plays and doing creative things when plays break down. Um, that's an area of the game that Josh is still, you know, he, he's like that, that AP student in high school who aces every test, but when you, when you throw a curveball at him that, that you can't study for, it might take him a little longer to try to figure it out than, than a kid who has instincts and just is like, oh yeah, I know what that means. Um, Josh is not a very creative type, um, but he, he is impeccable at following instructions. So, I mean, he, he let us down. He had more first quarter touchdowns, first possession touchdowns last year than Carson Palmer had in the last two years. I mean, he had like four or five. And um, boom, 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 right down the field against the Chargers in, in L.A. Man, and that was a great defense. And he had them on their heels and then boom, 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 score. Seven nothing in that game. Um, he was good coming out of the shoot. The problem was... Once they got into the areas where the game where plays weren't scripted, he was a little lost. So, uh, but I think Murray, because of his his uh, feet, make him a pretty special. Um, you know, the, the key will be for both of them who stays healthy. And Josh has had concussions, and he has a shoulder issue three years ago at UCLA. Um, that's been cleaned up since, and he didn't, thank God he wasn't hurt last year. Um, but, you know, he's more of a sitting duck than Kyler, too, in a, in a pocket, because he's 6'4". Um, and I think Kyler, you know, is kind of sneaky about not getting hit. But um, what do you guys think? Well, Walter, I want to ask you the, the question that all Dolphin fans want to know. And, you know, we suffered through the John Becks, you know, the Jay Feelers, the, the Ryan right. Tannehills for seven years, you know, the Chad Hennies, the Pat Whites, whatever it may be. Is Josh Rosen going to be the franchise quarterback for the Miami Dolphins? 
Well, he's got a one-year opportunity to make his case um, with a new head coach, uh, but a system that favors him. Um, right now, I'd say it's 50-50. I think he can do it. I think he needs some breaks to go his way. I think he needs to sort of get some confidence going with his teammates. Like, if they just sort of see him as a lame duck, that's not going to be good. Um, but, you know, these, there are three, four quarterbacks everybody's drooling about. Um, I'll tell you what, if I were you, I'd do a two-year thing on Rosen because I think he would do it. And then, then if that doesn't work, go for Trevor Lawrence. Absolutely. In 2021. <laughs> I would not be opposed to that one. <laughs> That would be pretty cool, but uh, you know, I totally get the. It's a tough, tough dilemma, um, and one year is not a lot, particularly yeah. with the new coaching staff. Right. But uh, I, I, honest to God, I would say it could go either way. But I'll tell you this: I wouldn't. You know, then you could turn around and trade them if you draft another quarterback like next year, the way the Cardinals did. But at two million a year for the next three years. Might be worth having him around. Um, yeah. You know, with that kind of talent and value, um, you know, he might be around and who knows when, if the time's right. Uh, you know, I, I hope he does. And then you guys can draft, uh, you know, for another position. But, uh, you know, I'll be uh, watching all your games this year now. I'm really curious to find out. And one of my best friends is a Dolphin fan, and he and I have been having ma major talks about this. So, um, you know, I'm going to be psyched for you guys. And as I said in the article, uh, you know, when the Patriots do finally lose the AFC East, I'd just as soon it be you guys. I <laughs> feel the same way. <laughs> Weren't you the last ones to win the AFC East? I think I, I just feel there's something different about this. I, I do think he's going to come in and light it up. I honestly do. Yeah, I'll die on that hill. I'm, I'm Josh Rosen. I think a lot of us, I think all three of us were fans of him coming out of the 2018 draft. I think we're happy as hell that we got Minka Fitzpatrick, but when you can turn around and trade a second and a fifth for him the next year, the 10th overall pick, like I said, we haven't had a quarterback in how many years? There hasn't been a good one here since Marino. Whatever you feel about Tannehill, he was average at best. I'm pretty stoked for a 22-year-old quarterback. Like you said, he's making $2 million a year. This is a low-risk, high-reward trade, and, and I'm stoked for the 2019 Dolphins. And Man, you just got me so fired up. I want to put on the pads right now. I'll block for him. I'll get him. He had a right tackle. I want to see him do well. I really do. And um, I, I'm, I'm psyched that you guys – are, are uh, feeling positive about him. Because that's what he needs. He needs a good vibe right now. And uh, 
All right, Walter, thank you for joining us here on Finsider Radio. We do appreciate all of your time here with us. And we will be sure to follow up with you once the season gets going here. We want to we want to circle back on this and see how the Cardinals are doing with Kyler Murray, see how the Dolphins are doing with Josh Rosen. Thanks, guys. Go Fins. All right, thank you. Let's just recap this interview with Walter Mitchell from Revenge of the Birds, the deputy editor of the website, part of the SB Nation Network. Walter gave us a ton of insights, way more than we bargained for, a lot of in-depth information on the Dolphins' newest quarterback in Josh Rosen. Son, what are your initial takeaways from this interview? And I, like we said at the end of that one, we, we said that all three of us are on board with this trade, have been on board with this trade before it even happened. And I, like I said, I think it's different. I think he's going to be successful in Miami. I felt like I was talking to my grandpa. <laughs> I could have listened. I could have listened to him talk all night. Yeah. I, you know, we've liked this from a business standpoint. It was, you know, we're getting a, we're getting a great look at a young quarterback for pennies on the dollar. So there, this is really a, a very limited risk type of in, investment. And I specifically asked him about the offensive line because I think we're all kind of concerned about it. I mean, I, I know we, we had the guard investment and we, we have the Isaiah Prince in the sixth round there. Is that going to be a, enough with Travis Swanson and Jesse Davis and, and Laramie Tunsil? I'm not sure, but I, I think knowing that not only do we get kind of lucky with the marriage of, of Josh Rosen and the Patriots scheme, so, in other words, I think to overcome a, a not as good offensive line is to get the ball out quickly. And that's what New England's been predicated on for years. And I think he explained it very clearly. You, you get the tight end in the seam. You get a slot wide receiver running option routes. He, he called them read routes, option routes. They're really the same types of things. It's getting to a space in the field and – based on what you're seeing, you're doing the opposite of what the defense is showing you. And provided that communication is there, uh, it's a, a pretty efficient system. So I think where Josh Rosen comes into play is he, he can execute this type of offense. He's already shown strengths throwing to the middle of the field and to tight ends. We invested, what, like 36 tight ends this offseason. So we have been really conscientious about, in my opinion, making sure we can use Mike Jasicki as a pass receiver. And I think we've shored up the fact that we can use tight ends to come in and block. We'll use other tight ends to come in and do the blocking. He was doing entirely too much blocking last year. So if we can use someone like Jasicki in the middle of the field, we have the Jakeem Grants, Albert Wilsons, Kenny Stills coming over the middle of the field. And then you have the Kenyon Drakes, the Kalen Balages, and the Miles Gaskins coming out of the backfield. When you're looking at that type of thing, I almost feel a little bit lucky that what we needed out of a quarterback in our scheme happens to be the quarterback that we got. 
So I'm not to not to say that this is a, a marriage made in heaven or anything like that. I just think that we got a little bit lucky with where Rosen's strengths are and what this scheme is going to require. Yeah, and I don't think any of us could have even imagined what type of interview we would have just had with this guy. I mean, he went out there and he just broke down Josh Rosen's entire rookie season, everything you could ever ask for about this guy. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway from it was when I asked him if he believes that he's the franchise quarterback for the Dolphins, you know, he said they're 50-50. Uh, I'm not sure how to take that. You know, I'm a, a mixed bag of emotions with that, but uh, you have to love Walter's breakdown. You have to love what 22-year-old Josh Rosen is going to bring to the Miami Dolphins. You just hope that he goes out there and succeeds in year one because if he does not, uh, Dolphins are most likely going to turn to the 2020 draft. And we know that Josh Rosen probably won't have a very good chance to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, at least with the Miami Dolphins, once that happens. We're going to see how this whole Josh Rosen things shakes out. Try saying that five times fast. <laughs> what a tongue twister there. <laughs> but uh, I haven't put this out on the Twitter world because I know if I do, my mentions will just go to absolute crap. It just feels different. I don't know what it is. I, I feel like luck might finally be on the Dolphins' side with this trade. They might have finally caught their big break they've always been looking for since Dan Marino fell to them in the NFL draft. I mean, the history's been documented. Drew Brees passing up on him twice, once in the draft, once when he wanted to come to Miami, and Nick Saban went in another direction. Um, and the Dolphins had him with Dante Culpepper. Just different scenarios of just bad luck for Miami and quarterbacks. I think they might have finally found their guy. I just hope that uh, Chad O'Shea puts him in a great position to succeed and they get some offensive line help around him. And uh, he's going to be on the field pretty soon for mini camps over the next few weeks once they get that going. And very anxious to see how he's doing with the new system, the new team. Very smart guy. And it's going to be a lot of fun watching the Dolphins this year. Josh Rosen fails. You're probably getting a top pick and get your choice of quarterback. If Josh Rosen goes 8-8, eight and eight, that's awesome. Because that means the coaching staff is headed in the right direction. And Josh Rosen is your guy. The Dolphins do better. Obviously, that's better. Even if they're stuck between the worst and 8-8, eight and eight, they're still going to get probably a top 10 pick, and they'll have the ammo to move up. So they can get, whether it's Tua or Herbert or Fromm or anyone else there, I still think they'll have their pick of the litter and can get the guy, maybe not that they really, really want, but a guy that they're going to be comfortable with leading them forward. So I think it's going to be a good season to watch regardless of which way it happens, just when you think about the future of this team. All that's going to happen and unfold over the next several weeks and months as we head into training camp and then preseason and then the regular season. Until then, we'll have all the latest news on the Miami Dolphins, all the latest rumblings, all the latest analysis, on the field and off the field. Be sure to stay with us throughout the entire offseason as we gear up for another year of NFL. For Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts, I am Matt Canada. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. 
That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.